0: Welcome to the White Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network.
1: You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 270 of Linux in the Hamshack. And tonight, uh, there's only two of the three of us here tonight. I'm Russ K5TUX, and Cheryl is off doing other things, being productive in other ways, uh, W5MOO. But we do have... Bill,
2: any E4RD. Good evening.
0: All right, very good. So tonight, we are finally going to return to our deep dive episodes. We kind of skipped one because we didn't have any topics, and because life, and various <laughs> other factors. But... <laughs> so we did skip one but we are going to get back to the deep dives this time around and this time around we're going to talk about something we have mentioned at least in passing several times in the past it's a logging application but it's one that's web hosted but has a self-hosted component also has an api and is produced and distributed by the AWRL. and of course you should already know at this point that we're talking about logbook of the world and its associated application, Trusted QSL. So this time we're gonna take a a deeper look into Trusted QSL, uh, what it is, how to download and install it, basic operating as far as doing your logging, maintaining your certificates, because this is a uh, signed cryptographically hashed mechanism for storing logs so that authenticity can be guaranteed. And several other factors about trusted QSL. And it is a cross platform application. It is available for all of the platforms out there. The source code is released by the ARRL. Current version is 2.4.3. And one thing I did not look up is
2: the license for the source code. So let's take a quick look. Oh my God. <laughs> Where did I just put that? <laughs> the license for the code? Well, yeah, I was just going to be uh, uh Oh, where oh, where where's it at? Source. You don't have just a license file? I figured it
0: might be published on the website if it's not in, like, the readme.
2: It's not in the readme. It's not in the readme. License. Oh, there's a... License. There's a license there's file. License. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright Amateur Radio Relay League. Ah, so it's not open
0: source. Well, it is open source, but it's not... I mean, it's clearly open source because you can download the source. <laughs> so that's interesting. <laughs> so it's it's open source, but it's copyrighted. We come across this before. I'm sure that we have.
2: Yeah. So, so, it'd so you be kind can of download the like freeware.
0: This, yeah, I guess. So you can download and build the source, but you can't modify it. You can't do anything with it other than build it. Does the license actually specify?
2: Yeah, redistribution and use in source and binary forms with or without modification are permitted provided that the following conditions are met so that uh see any redistribution of the source code must retain the above copyright notice and the list of conditions and the disclaimer shown uh redistribution in binary form must reproduce the above copyright notice blah 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 products derived from uh or including the software may not use logbook of the world or lotw or any other amateur radio relay league incorporated uh, trademarks or service marks in their names without prior permission of the AWRL. use of the software does not imply endorsement by the AWRL or the products derived from or including the software and of course you have your normal provided as is disclaimer okay so did it
0: Maybe I glossed over it while you were reading it. Did it say something about modification? It says it can be incorporated in other software. Did it say it could be modified?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. The very first uh, sentence. Yeah. With or without modification, it can be redistributed. Okay. Well, that's a
0: I gotta say that's a really interesting license model. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's technically open source, but they made their own. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't borrow GPL or something more permissive like mit but it kind of reads like an mit license but they're basically saying if you use it in some other way you're free to do that you just can't call it trusted qsl <laughs> and you can't affiliate it with the, with the arl right that's interesting that's the logbook of the world yeah
2: that's a, that is interesting
0: it's kind of the most fascinating thing about trusted qsl and we've already done it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay there's a yeah, the the show, the show thanks all right <laughs> oh man all right let me get back to the euthyped here all right here we go so i just took the first couple of lines of the description of logbook of the world and i i'm going to try and make the proper distinction between the service logbook of the world and the application which is trusted qsl they kind of go hand in hand but they are two different things so the service logbook of the world on the website is described as an online service that enables you to one electronically submit contacts for confirmation to view your submitted qsos and resulting confirmations online three view your dxcc VUCC, was waz and wpx award progress online and four electronically submit your confirmations for credit towards those awards so that's that's sort of what trusted qsl is in a nutshell and or Logbook of the world. See, I screwed it up already. <laughs> um, yeah. Trusted QSL is the app that helps you do all of those things. But there is also the web component. You can log into the AWRL's website, and we have a link to the various different places where you can go for this information in the show notes. But you, you have an account with the AWRL, so you can log into their website. And part of that website gives you access to Logbook of the World. And when you're using the trusted QSL application, of course, when you import your data into it, then it's being sent up to the ARRL so it can be stored there and parsed and logged and statistics generated and all that kind of stuff. So um, one thing I don't have in front of me is the actual application. So can you, like, run the application so you can look at it while we're talking about it?
2: Yeah, I got everything here. Yeah. Okay.
0: So before we actually take a look at the application itself, well, let's talk about getting the application because of course, that's what you got to do first. So if you want to use logbook of the world, you need to download the application because the first thing you have to do in order to use this is to get a certificate that actually signs your QSOs, you know, your logs before you upload them to the AWRL, so that they can be cryptographically signed and authenticated. So, the latest version of the application is 2.4.3 as of this date, and it is in some, uh, distributions repos. For example, Ubuntu has it in their repo at 2.3.1 and Fedora Core 29 uh, has it at 2.4.2. So it's uh, much closer to the actual current version. Uh, the source code is available directly from the ARRL, so you can download and build it. It's a fairly simple build. It does have some dependencies. Um, those dependencies include uh, G++ and CMake, and you also have to have packages for, or the dev packages for, at least on Debian systems, OpenSSL, XPAT, Zlib, Berkeley DB, WXGTK, and Curl. And I assure you that if you don't have these dependencies, it will blow up really quickly.
2: Uh, Yeah, mine didn't have Berkeley DB.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, One nice thing about it is it's very clear when the build fails, which thing you're missing. And it's also done in such a way that if you're missing more than one thing, it will fail at a certain point. Then when you install that thing, it will just fail at the next point and so on and so forth until you actually have everything installed.
2: It's like classic compiling. (laughs) Yep.
0: Compiling uh, 100. So, but once you actually have all of the dependencies, you can just go in and do a cmake space dot for the current directory. Once that builds successfully, you do a make that actually takes all the C++ code. I'm pretty sure it is C++. And I don't want to be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and when that finally finishes, then you do a sudo make install and actually build in the system. By default, the 2.4.3 version installs in user local. I think my earlier version actually installed in user, but I don't remember if that was because I gave it preferences or because that's where it installed by default. Uh, did you install it by source or by package?
2: I installed it from the repo, so I didn't install it from, uh, <clears throat> from source. I did download it, but I didn't try actually compiling it. Okay, so yours- well, I did try to compile it in it, but I ran into the Berkeley DB thing, so I, I didn't go past that. <laughs> okay. I got distracted with Android. <laughs> so yours probably installed in user then, not in local. Yeah, so if I do a, a which on that. Yeah, if you so do a which user, TQSL. Which DQSL, so that is, it's in, yeah, user bin. Yeah, user bin. Okay, yeah. See, that was
0: where my earlier version was. And when I built it today, it actually put it in user local. So I don't know if that's a change in the way that it's produced. Um, Generally, when you
2: compile something, it's always going to want to put it into the user local. User local list, right. you
0: specify a prefix. Right, but the default instructions, or at least like the quick install from the readme file or the install file, whichever one it is, doesn't give you a whole lot of options. It just says, do cmake.make, make install. It doesn't say, here's all your options for like, if you want to
2: put in an opt <laughs> or whatever, it just says, do this. Yeah, since they're not putting out binaries, uh, I, I would think they want to keep it as simple as possible for most users that are actually going to try to compile it themselves, so. Right. I can understand uh, most people will, you know, have that as their short instructions and is like, down towards the bottom to say, okay, well, you really want to know you can do tac tack prefix and then, uh, you know, specify where you want it installed, like slash opt or maybe you want to install it in a local directory and, you know, your username dot bin or something like that. Um, you, you can override a lot of that stuff, but I guess the key point is once you have it installed, you definitely want to use that, that fantastic tool called which w h i c h space and then tqsl your command. And it'll return back the path because uh, in a lot of applications that use trusted QSL, like let's say CQR log or, you know, any other logging program or anything that's going to send a log to it automatically, it needs to know exactly where that, uh, where the, uh, where that binary is sitting. So you'll want to grab that path so you can pop that in there. Right. Some
0: of them reference the actual install of TQSL, and some probably use the API. Do you, are you aware of any of the ones that you use that actually have the API built into the application so that it can do Logbook of the World without having the app installed?
2: Uh, no, I've never seen that.
0: Okay. Apparently, it is possible. We'll talk a little bit about the developer part of this and the API in a bit. Um, But they they do publish an API and there is a library, and there is documentation on the library. So we'll get to that, that's kind of toward the end. Uh, So once you get the thing installed, whether you've apt installed it or RPM'd or yummed it from a package, uh, you will have an application called TQSL, which is short for Trusted QSL. And when you fire that up, it will give you a pretty simple window. It does give you access to a help file. Uh, the help is pretty thorough, so that's always a good thing. And that same help file is also available on the ARRL's website, so uh, there's lots of information there about installing the application, how to use it, and so on and so forth. So when you start it up, if you've never used Trusted QSL before, the first thing you really have to do is get a certificate, because the application is useless to you without it, because you can't upload anything to the AWRL site unless it's signed. And the whole idea behind trusted QSL in the first place is to make sure that your logs are verified. And that's so that when other people upload their logs, they can see that they're verified from the same person. And then when they're matched up for award processing and statistics generation and stuff like that, they can be sure that the log entries are correct. So there's a simple way to do that. And Bill will tell me the tab under which it is listed where you can request a cert. Because he's got yeah, the application re- open. Yes.
2: <laughs> so up at the top, you have the normal file and stuff like that. You have file, station, location, and call sign certificate. And you'll click the call sign certificate. And then there's one there that says request new call sign certificate.
0: And when you request a new call sign certificate, it will ask you for some information. Uh, it will ask you for your call sign. And it will ask you what the date of your first QSL or QSO will be when you upload this. So the idea behind this is probably to set this to a date before you were licensed um because you want to because it it keeps that date as a validity check so it won't allow you to upload a QSL or QSO from a time before you specify and i think it defaults to like 1954 or something so uh, yeah, so you should be covered you should be covered right if you select that <laughs> And then it also asks you for an end date, and it says if you still currently hold your active call sign, don't specify an end date because, of course, you're going to be uploading new QSOs, so you don't want to do that. So you just fill out the information, blah, 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 click select or submit, and it will send off a request to the ARRL. Now, the FAQ says this request will be processed within one business day. and That's generally the case, and if they require any additional information from you, they will get in touch with you by email, and you do have to specify your email address in the request, I believe. Um, I don't remember all the fields because I don't have it in front of me, and I don't think Bill's requesting a new cert right now, so he doesn't know either.
2: (laughs) Uh, let's see. So yeah, it gives you a call sign DXCC entity. Yeah, the date. What what were you asking? Uh, email
0: address. How how? Oh well, they can obviously look up by your call sign to to get in touch with you if necessary. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. So it was the DXCC entity, which is a drop down. So it's easy enough to find. You know which DXCC entity you are. Uh, United States by the way is uh two nine one. Um, and of course I don't know what any of the other ones are. Uh, so. Once you've done that, you'll, you'll eventually get your certificate and you'll get it, I believe, as a P12 file or a TQ6 or something like that. Um, and you have to import that and that's under the same, uh, heading where you request the new one. There's an option for importing a certificate, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Correct. Right. So the load
0: loads call sign certificate, load call sign certificate. Right. So you have to load your call sign certificate and then this is one thing you have to really make sure to do, and it's something I have failed to do twice. <laughs> and that is keep your certificate file. You and to keep it somewhere safe, like where you won't lose it, like I have.
2: Okay, this is, uh, this is something I'm going to say with that. Okay. Um, that that certificate will only load into the computer that you actually generated it on. So you do not have to keep the certificate. What you do is you actually back up The configuration once you've had loaded that so otherwise you will have to ask for a new certificate (laughs) (laughs) i've already gone through this whole process before so and i'll save you some steps once you load your certificate and got it all installed first thing you do is go to file and then backup station location certificate and preferences and that's where you're going to get a tbk file and then that's what actually becomes slightly portable but i i get a little bit more uh a little bit more anal than that. <laughs> Actually, back up the directory, <laughs> and in, uh and in, in Linux or you know whatever uh, BSD Linux whatever you're using, it'll put it in the .tqsl directory. Just go ahead and tar up that whole directory and keep that because literally you can move that from computer to computer to computer, and then your .tqsl is all, all always updated and, uh, and already has the certificate and locations and everything else there. So You never have to mess with it. But, uh, yeah, the certificate, once you've loaded it, is pretty much only good for that computer. Right. And you you are allowed
0: to use that same information, that same cert, the same station locations, all that stuff across multiple machines. You just have to have that configuration backed up so you can load it onto all the other machines that you want to use it on.
2: Yes, yes. But you couldn't launch a new instance of TQSL on another computer and load that call sign certificate from scratch. It will not work. All right, good At to know. This has been my experience. <laughs> and who the hell is calling me out for not mentioning DNF? Come on. DNF. <laughs> <You know. laughs> well, I guess they're still young on the the enterprise and fake enterprise system.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still using like CentOS 6.7. I mean, I don't Oh yeah, I don't use that. <laughs>
2: that's a work I'm thing. Up to where I got. No, I am not not hip enough to be using DNF yet. I mean, <laughs> Uh oh, anyway just, so this is all the stuff that you guys miss if you're not in the chat room when we record this so you lose <laughs> a little bit of context here <laughs> so uh yeah let's let's move on once you got your certificate loaded well before we go past that
0: let's let's go back because there were a couple of comments on things we already talked about uh don KBTYSI um says or sorry don kc 9 zmy says that cqr doesn't use the API, and he found it tricky to figure out how to specify the command line to get uh, Logbook of the World integrated into CQR log. I assume you're, you're doing the same thing, right, Bill? You have uh, Logbook oh, of the yeah. World it's, with log.
2: Yeah. yeah, it works fine. I just have the command line path set up, and uh, you just have to know your home location, and you set that up to your profile. So whatever you name your, your location, that's what you need to pass to it. Okay, so actually, let me uh, let me launch my CQR log while we uh,
0: you talk. And Don KBTYSI is also mentioning something else that I'm not uh, apparently cool enough to understand. Uh, what's tresorit or tresorit? I have to look it up, obviously, because my, the Google foo is not here tonight.
2: <laughs> so let's see. My logbook of the world is set up. Oh, um, uh, cloud
0: storage. So apparently they are keep, keeping the config file in a cloud instance where it's accessible to a bunch of different computers. Got it. So that's I guess where it is kind of like um like Dropbox, but apparently better. <laughs> Don't know. That's uh, so what we you saying?
2: No, no, just keep going. On. I'm I'm looking.
0: Oh, you're looking. I'm looking
2: for all my configuration
0: stuff here. <laughs> well, I've completely forgotten where we were. Um. Oh, we were talking about, like, what to do next, I guess, after you have your cert installed. So uh, the first thing you need to do once you have your cert installed is set up a station location. And you cannot set a station location unless you have a cert installed. So don't try and do that in the reverse order. It will not work. Um, But you have to, you know, have a a location, a QTH with the associated information. I think it asks you for, like, uh, ITU zone and CQ zone and all that kind of garbage and uh, grid square and all that kind of stuff. And you can actually have multiple station locations when you're setting up the the application. In case you happen to be one of those people who operates mobile or has a ham shack in more than one location or something like that, you can actually specify where the QSOs were actually made in the application when you're uploading logs uh, so that it can keep track of that information as well and let's see was there anything else we needed to worry about okay we didn't mention that the certificates that are that are issued are only valid for three years and then of course you'll have to renew them there's a way to renew them through the application it's pretty easy thing to do you just have to go to your certificates tab click on the certificate the current certificate and there will be an option for renew your certificate and that will re-up it for a three-year time period it used to be the certificates were available for a much longer period uh but at some point they reduced it down to 3 years which is probably reasonable i think that's long enough to uh, have a certificate without uh, updating it
2: yeah and uh let's just mention because we were kind of talking about the beginning and ending dates on certificates and the reason why that's kind of important to know cuz like you know i have had two call signs you've had how many call signs three uh, four? five maybe five i think five yeah <laughs> five call signs so you can actually request for, for certificates for previously held call signs within the time frame you held them, should you have some logs that you wanna push into the system, into Logbook of the World. You know, maybe you were in a different state, maybe you uh, want credit for Worked All States from Maine or, or something like that, or me from Florida. Um, you can do that by requesting certificates for your old call signs. And that's completely legitimate to do. I've actually never done that with mine <laughs> uh, because I didn't wanna go through all my paper logs and turn them into digital logs uh from my old call sign so i uh, opted not to do that uh but but when i got my uh, new call sign i have my certificate starting from the date it was actually issued since it's you know it's not from when i was first licensed it was from when when i actually got my uh, vanity call so that that's important too right the date structure is actually
0: important you just need to make sure you encapsulate the dates that you actually want to upload qsos for just so they know that they're valid within that thing it's the same as having a valid certificate for the time frame that you're uploading your logs from as well. Everything has to be valid so it can be cryptographically signed and verified. Um, so you set the screenshot here about QTH profiles. So you want to go over that?
2: Oh, no, yeah, I was just showing that to Don. Um, inside a CQR log, you actually establish your, your, your QTH or your profile location profile inside the logging. And then I, you have that match uh, your TQSL um, location. So when it sends the command line over, it grabs your location, which should match a profile in the other, <laughs> in your, in your, your location that you established inside a TQSL. And then everything mates up and becomes really happy, happy. Um, and this would also work if, let's say you had multiple locations, which I know we're, I think we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit on the station locations, but let's say you do satellite work and you're, you know, outside of your grid square or your VHF rover. Um you can set up multiple locations, not only in your log, but also in your your TQSL setup for those specific locations. Because you don't want to try to sign a call or your QSO for a new grid square that you happen to activate from your home grid square. <laughs> because that call that, that log would no longer be valid between the two parties because they'd have two different grid squares that they're actually working from. And uh, you might see this occasionally happen, where people sign and send the wrong uh, grid square with their log. If you watch your uh, confirmations in Logbook of the World, um, you'll see that sometimes, uh, like, oh yeah, I got their their home their home uh, grid square because they just they were lazy and didn't set up the new location for where they were at when they were when they were activating whatever they were activating. So having those station locations uh, listed out is important. So if you do a lot of traveling, this might be a little cumbersome for you if you do a lot of radioing while you're traveling. Yeah, Don's telling us in the chat room that his location list is very long. <laughs> I bet <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, any of the guys that go out and do a lot of satellite work or VHF work, grid squares are important. So that means you're not going to be where you're located normally. You know, you're not going to be at home or within your own grid square.
0: Right. Absolutely. And no, I think we've actually, we've actually gotten down to that point in our discussion here. So that's probably a good place to to be. Uh, we talked about station locations uh using this across multiple computers. Uh, as we heard in the chat room, there's more than one way to do this. Uh, You know, backing up your information, loading it onto another computer is one way. Actually having a central storage location for your uh, configuration is another way. Um, both of those are certainly valid. Uh So <coughs> when you're, so so the thing that you're actually doing with Trusted QSL, of course, is uploading to Logbook of the World. You're actually importing, well, technically exporting, your logs uh, to the AWRL. Now, when you do this, w- one thing that's nice about this is your logs are then being stored uh, at the AWRL, so you have an automatic copy of all of your log information. And the logs that it supports, I know it supports uh, ADIF and Cabrillo, or Cabrillo, I, I want to say it like it's... Uh, <laughs> like the actual spanish word not our bastardization of it um but is that it? it's just a different caprillo right
2: yeah that's that's primarily the two log formats that it will read and consume and it will be able to sign and send um i do want to make one more comment uh i don't want to get too back and forth on this no, that's fine i i think we're um, being fairly consistent <laughs> yeah <laughs> cuz i want more on this too um back to the locations real quick you can also have additional call signs. That's you true. You can have more call signs. Yes. So let's say you have a you're in charge of your club call or you're in charge of uh you yeah, know, maybe you did a well, W1AW will do it for you, but let's say you were using your buddy's station and his call for a contest, you're the guy that took all the logs, you can actually get the certificate to sign it and send in the log um for like, you know, a friend station or a shared station or something like that. So, like, that's that's kind of cool, too. You can have multiple certificates on here for multiple call signs. You know, I know some guys got, like, four or five club calls. <laughs> so, so you can have all of those in here. You can sign all of those. Well, it's um, also
0: valid for your old call signs as well, too. You might have those just in the app as well in case you're, like, converting your paper logs over to digital and uploading them.
2: Right. All right. So now let's talk about the logs that you send.
0: Whoa, whoa, so what do we have? We have Ted is confused. Ted is confused. confused. (laughs) Well, when we find out what Ted is confused about, we'll address it. But anyway, go ahead. For sure.
2: So, yeah. So we were talking about the Cabrillo or Cabrillo or whatever you want to say. (laughs) And the uh, (laughs) what happened to waiting for the postcard? Yeah, they don't do that anymore, I don't think.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, I think they do. They still have a bureau. Uh, oh, okay. so you, you can do that stuff the old-fashioned way but
2: no no he's talking about when you used to get your certificate password oh your certificate from-
0: yeah they don't do yeah. that anymore they used yeah, to actually <laughs> send you the information by mail that was the verification yeah. process very bad yeah <laughs> they don't they don't do that anymore in fact it says in their faq that they don't do that anymore
2: yeah, so thank you <laughs> yeah i think that was the biggest thing especially when they were trying to get uh, dx stations to actually use logbook of the world that became a, a huge huge problem so they had to start using uh you know third party trust uh partners and stuff like that to uh to help uh authenticate and validate who these people were anyway uh back to the logs so ADEF, you were saying how a t- uh um, logbook of the world could be a backup for your logbook, and that's true to an extent um there's only eight fields that are actually passed in the ADF or even at the Cabrillo that actually gets stored in logbook of the world so if you have notes comments. Uh, things of interest that you wanted to save in your log. Um, you know, Logbook of the World is not that kind of backup. It's purely a backup for the transactional information for that QSO. You know, by, by reality, there's only four, four fields in the ADIF that are actually required to establish that, that actual log. So, and it's like the call sign, uh, the mode and frequency frequency RST, yeah call sign yeah and no not you don't need the rst at all oh, okay. uh, call sign frequency mode and time and date whatever it is so okay like yeah so those you will be losing pieces. information yeah and yeah.
0: rst is sometimes important i mean it's not not important for the logging but it might be important for later reference so
2: right so and um, that's in the full eight eight car- all eight fields when you send over so i mean you do have rst and stuff like that um, but you will not have any contextual notes that you took uh, on the side, like, you know, has a big antenna, oh, great signal or, you know, something like that. Or maybe even power level. Um, it has a big won't, package. Won't track, yeah. Yeah. It won't, it won't have all of that, you know. So, uh, but like in a pinch, it, it is a good backup yeah. for your log because like it's the, the legitimate size of the logging that you needed to keep. Uh, in a, in in a order DR
0: scenario, low. it's fine.
2: Yeah, in order for like your awards tracking or anything else like that. So yeah, that, it's it's tremendously good for that 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 portion
0: of it. But you should always back up yourself. Make sure you keep a copy of your edited files somewhere else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially if you like a lot of esoteric information. Yeah. All right. So it also, you, you actually stuck some stuff in here too that I, I did not address or did not get a chance to look at, um, in our thing about usage. Uh, the two bullet points that I'm specifically mentioning are creating and editing an ADA file and adding and deleting mode mappings.
2: So, yeah. So I thought this was kind of interesting too. I mean, they, uh, they actually have that all, all like buttons there on the front page for actually creating your own ADA file. So you can actually create. Let's say you have a one-off call that you made or contact or QSO or whatever, and you just want to get it in here and just send it up to Logbook of the World and call it good. You know, maybe you're not keeping a you know big log, or maybe you're just doing pen and paper and you know only sending when people are asking you to. You can actually go ahead and create the ADIF the ADIF file directly inside of TQSL. You don't even have to have a logging program. You you basically just go there in the log operations and there's a button there that says Create ADIF file for signing and uploading and you can put in one QSO or multiple QSOs and it gives you the, the all the fields you need here to do that band rx uh, you know mode and frequency and all that other stuff you get split frequencies and it was a satellite it has that for a drop down um so you you can actually create a log in here your ata file sign it and send it all directly in the app without ever having actually a logging program secondly uh we all know that uh, you know the js8 uh, and uh well, whatever it was called five other times. FT call, AT, FTA call. FTA call, yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, uh, uh, most of the logging programs only used like MSK or MSFK or maybe at packet if you had uh, some other program, PKT. Um, you can, uh, you can actually transform an ADIF file, uh, using their, uh, uh, log. Let's see, where is that at? It's in preferences, uh, I think. Where is it? Yeah, there it is. So yeah. Uh, inside of your file and uh, display modify preferences, there is. Oh, I just hit it now. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Adif modes. So here's actually where you can map a mode to a TQSL mode. So it gives you a, an option here, so you can write down what you want your mode, what your mode is in your actual Adif file. So let's say it was PKT because you use FL digi and it's stupid. <laughs> And because your radio had to be in that mode and you didn't go through all the configuration stuff to say, no, I'm really operating, you know, RIDI. You could actually sit here and say, okay, I want to transform anything that says packet PKT and I can scroll down the list and grab any of the valid uh, TQSL modes that will go into the system. Oh, there's RIDI. So I'd click that in there and then I'd have a mapping from packet to RIDI. And you can do that from anything else. Like if you had, like uh, old uh, FT8 calls or something like that, and you want to log them as JS8 calls or JS8, I think they're just JS8 in the the file now, you can actually transform all those old ADEF files into the new mode. And this is useful when they don't have a mode yet set up and let's say you wanted to initially load all those FT8 calls in and they said, hey, go ahead and just load them as MSFK. And a lot of people did that, then you can kind of go back and forth and just kind of segment that stuff out and then re uh, reprocess it through this, so it's kind of like a little you know ETL system for a little extract, transform, and and send basically. So it's kind of a cool little option to have in there. And the second thing I had in here, I probably didn't list it to yeah, the other the Cabrillo specs. So the Cabrillo files are Cabrillo Cabrillo. <laughs> we'll just call it Cabrillo.
0: I think, I think it's Cabrillo. Yeah. I think it is. We're, gr- we're gringo. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, like, so all the Cabrillo files, um, are all slightly different depending upon what contest it is. And essentially for you to upload a Cabrillo file, you need to, uh, establish, uh, what kind of contest it is and what, uh, what field the call was in that you worked. So those are the only like two pieces of information that they need to process a Cabrillo file. So, you let's say you had like the ARRL field day and you were just grabbing the, the, the Cabrillo file from the club log station. and uh, You could just type in here. I'm going to go to the Cabrillo specs and my preferences, add a contest, and we'll write ARRL field day. And this one's actually mixed, but we'll call it HF. And it has a cell for call worked field number. And let's just say uh, it was uh, six or seven. And you hit OK. And then now it can process that particular file when you load your Cabrillo files. You can actually specify that it was that contest. So it knows when it reads that file, it's like, okay, I'm going to look at field six for the call, and that's what it's going to do. It's just going to dump it in there, and that's how it uh, how it can parse and handle uh, Cabrillo files quite easily. Um, so those were the two cool little things that I saw that I thought were of interest that I never use that uh, I could definitely see somebody wanting to use.
0: Yeah, those are really interesting. I do like the fact that you can actually map one thing to another. And there's actually, I'm looking at the ARRL's website right now, and they do list there's a there's a bulletin that was published on November 30th that talks about new modes. And there's some that are that are sort of well known here, but there's also uh, IR, for example, is IRLP, EC for EchoLink, AS for Aircraft Scatter, which Anybody ever actually worked aircraft scatter? <laughs> um, there's also uh, FSK Hell JT9, all the different modes A through G, uh, A through H. Sorry, uh, FSQ call JS8 and Sim31. So those are all now included as valid in Trusted QSL and Logbook of the World. And if you need to map, like you said, uh, PKT or some other log is referenced by your application to one of those that's actually valid inside logbook of the world, then you have that opportunity. So that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it makes it makes it tremendously easy to kind of clean up logs and, and fix things. All right. Very good.
0: So one of the other things that you can do with Logbook of the World is once you've actually got your logs uploaded into the website, it will do a statistical analysis. It will tell you and give you information on how many QSOs you have and how many QSLs, like how many verified contacts that you have i mean you you can upload everything that you want but when you actually get a response and a matching qsl from the other station then it will match that and show you show it as a confirmed qsl and it will show you a lot of statistical information and it will also so do award tracking and not only will it do award tracking you can actually use the website to apply for awards once your statistics show that you've actually you know met the threshold you know, for your DXCC or whatever, you can actually do uh, the award uh, request directly through Logbook of the World, kind which is kind of
2: nice. Yeah? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Get your little certificate and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, so they, they track uh, even the CQ uh, prefix one as well, which is nice. They, they
0: mentioned in the original documentation about DXCC, VUCC, WAS, WAZ, and WPX, but they also are doing n uh, N-Poda. That one apparently has been added since the original documentation was written. And one nice thing that I see, at least on the Logbook of the World site, is when you're in there, once you've logged in with your call sign and your password, and you can see all the statistical information, all your QSOs, all your QSLs, your uh, stuff like that, um, the left-hand menu is a link to like all of the documentation. And this is probably one of the better documented applications that i've seen um literally everything from the concept of logbook of the world all the way through downloading and using the application to applying for awards frequently asked questions how to get help applying for information submitting tickets to the arl for you know support help and everything is all in that left hand uh menu so by far one of the most well-documented apps that i've ever seen and all of that information or at least most of it is actually included in trusted qsl as well so you can get that same level of you know info file information directly from the app without going to the website uh this show and actually i just see here that they show that there have been over one billion qso records entered into the system so apparently it's getting used a little bit
2: yeah so i was just looking at uh, my uh, qsl numbers here and i'm averaging 60.1 qsl rate through logbook of the world which is not bad i guess i mean 60 percent of all the key i've uploaded have been confirmed but yet i'm still a- only 149 out of 150 for my triple f play <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: what, what are you looking for i need nebraska on cw <laughs> <laughs> uh, when is the Nebraska Cuso party? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we must have talked
0: about it at some point. So, when is the Nebraska yeah, Cuso I'll party? I have to look soon?
2: that up. I, uh, <laughs> I got to actually get out my silly little CW stuff and finish that up. That's funny. <laughs> it's probably been that way for a while now.
0: <laughs> let's see. The 2018 Nebraska Cuso party was, let's see, when was it? It was in April. Oh, okay. Cool. So yeah.
2: So that may be coming up here. Twenty uh four twenty. Four 421. Oh that isn't like oh, the last Oh, it's on four twenty yet. Yeah. I'm gonna be busy <laughs> that <crazy>. day. <laughs> I'm gonna be occupied. Occupado, amigo. Occupado. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. the bill's, Bill's not here, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty cool. I mean, if you get a lot of your stuff in here, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, like I've got worked all states, uh, in multiple formats, like mixed, I have worked all states, JT65, I have worked all states, phone, I have worked all states, digital, I have worked all states. What else do I work all states on? On my five band, I'm 208. So what is that? Five times 50. So I'm still 42 short. I got a ways to go on yeah, well, I got a long way to go. Yes, I got—I don't have many. I got 5850, so 5,850 records pushed in. I got 3,514
0: QSL records. Oh, very good. So you actually have some interesting statistics to look at. I don't. Yeah. Uh, but one, one of the other things you can do, of course, we already mentioned this, is you can download your information. Of course, it won't have all of the fields that are uh, in standard Cabrillo or ADF files, but it will have the basic information. So if you need to recover your logs in a pinch, you can download them directly from the website. And you can also upload uh, TQ5 and TQ8 files, which have record information in them directly to the website. So you can also do that without the application as well. Um, So all of that's interesting. And I think the only other thing we really haven't touched on, let me make sure by going back to the Etherpad that there's nothing I missed. But yeah, I think the only thing we really haven't touched on about the application Uh, Of any real note is the fact that there is an API, there's a library, and if you are a developer or a programmer and you want to incorporate Logbook of the World functionality into your application, they do have library access. There is an API, so you can directly interface with Logbook of the World through your self-fit application. If you so choose, Um, you can also, of course, call TQSL from an uh, external application. We've seen that in the case of CQR log and other apps as well, uh, that just use TQSL's functionality directly from running the binary uh, for uploading logs and so forth. Uh, but if you really want to have that full integration with the API, they do publish it, they do make it available. And there's a documentation wiki, which uh link to will be in the show notes. And if you really want to dive down that far into the logbook of the world and uh, integrating your application with logging for logbook of the world that is available to you so i'm not sure if there's anything else we need to talk about yeah, unless uh, someone in the uh, chat room has a question we can always address questions stop Just calling me out on stuff i don't know
2: <laughs> <laughs> well wow. we went over the stuff i don't know that'd be a huge list <laughs> 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 we'd be here all night <laughs> uh, yeah i think so too but so,
0: yeah, so if you're listening to the show and you happen to be in the chat room, uh, hit us up if there's any questions, if there's something we skipped over. I think we pretty much covered uh, the real fundamentals of Trusted QSL, some of the additional functionality that it affords you, its backup capacity, uh, reasonable usage, uh, the purpose behind it, and all of that. So if there are any other questions or something else we've skipped inadvertently, please let us know.
2: And and hating the ARL is not a good reason to not use it. <laughs> uh, this is a great and useful tool for confirming contacts and also doing awards tracking. So yeah, yeah. I mean, don't don't. And the don't.
0: application is actually pretty well written. It is much easier to use TQSL than like EQSL. Oh yeah, that was that horrible. That, to get that website is a nightmare <laughs> if you ever deal with that. It's like GeoCities 1996. Yeah. Um I mean it has its uses and I know some people sort of use everything when they do uh QSLing. They'll send you a card, they'll put it up on EQSL and they'll put it up on Logbook of the World. Um but it's night and day between using EQSL and Logbook of the World.
2: I mean, no question. Yeah, it is nice that uh um EQSL is supported in CQR log. I mean, not to get into logging applications, but it does make it easy. <laughs> so you never have to go on the website. I don't think I've ever been on the website <laughs> except for just to make sure I had my password and my location set up properly. So, yeah, I've been on the website. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we're not here to crap on EQSL. I mean, it's a service that does a job as well. It just doesn't do it nearly as well as Trusted USL.
2: And they have their own awards tracking there as well. They don't offer any of the AWRL awards. So if you want AWRL awards, you got to use the AWRL logbook of the world. It's the only way they confirm stuff. I think they'll, uh, allow for some stuff to be confirmed with, uh, QSL cards, depending upon the date. I do not believe that they do, uh, like the modern stuff, like the, uh, I don't think they'll do N-Poda. I don't think they will do NPOTA, i do not think they will do, uh, the tracking for that stuff that's specifically L-O-T-W driven on QSL cards. So, um, the days of those kind of things are, slowly waning away but for people looking for older cards to be signed and 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 authorized for those awards you can still do that yep absolutely
0: so i don't see any questions or comments in the chat room except about you know (laughs) old web (laughs) um (laughs) but uh so with that, I guess we're going to move on from our deep dive topic and throw out a couple of announcements. I did not have any feedback for this week, which is kind of important. Well, uh, we got some feedback through the, via chat uh, about some deep dive topics to address, and we'll definitely incorporate those into upcoming episodes for sure. Uh, but I don't have any like email or website comments or anything to address as far as feedback. So we'll move swiftly on to announcements. We'll try and make this brief. So our first announcement is the GoFundMe for the Hamvention 29 campaign is actually live. So if you have a few dollars, even $1 helps, anything helps. If you can send it to us, we'd appreciate that. Hamvention will be on us before we know it. I think we're like 136 days out. Um, So it will be here soon. It's uh, the 17th through the 19th of May. Uh, the campaign will run, hopefully, until we actually succeed in our funding goal. And uh, we are actually kind of off to a uh, rocket start. So appreciate everybody who's already put in a few dollars for us. We really appreciate that. And we hope to see everybody in Xenia in May. Uh, the link to that, of course, is in the show notes and it's on the website. There's a link on the front page. But if you don't have access to any of those things for whatever reason, uh, you can go to url.bcts.info slash hvc2019 that will get you there and if you can't make a financial donation that's perfectly acceptable but please share that link everywhere you can share it and uh, you never know who has five dollars in their pocket who
2: can help us get to him mentioned we appreciate it and if a random bottle of you know scotch or whiskey just get dropped off at the booth that's fine too right Oh yeah, yeah. We we
0: accept all donations. Yeah. We don't have to be monetary. For
2: you want something uh, reviewed, right? Something specific. Yeah. Hey,
0: that's that's good. I am. I, I don't. This this wasn't going to be mentioned at all, but since it sort of came up that way, I'm just going to throw it in here. Um, my old reviews. I'm actually going to be encapsulating those and putting them up on YouTube as audio content. I'll probably do some sort of video overlay with them. And then at some point, I will be doing actual video reviews of this stuff. So uh, there's going to be a whole channel out there for anything. And when I actually get that finalized, I'll let people know about it so they can do whatever they will with that. Um, But moving on from Hamvention specifically, last year we had an eyeball QSO party um, before Hamvention in Mooresville, Indiana at Zydeco's. Uh thanks to Hutch K9KJN for being such a gracious host. And we're going to be doing that again this year. It will be on the Wednesday, May 15th, before Hamvention happens. So if you are passing through Indiana, uh the Indianapolis area specifically on May 15th, around 6 p.m. or something like that, and can come hang out with us at a really fantastic Cajun restaurant. We invite you to do that. Everyone is welcome. Uh just come by, say hi, and party with us before uh the party.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we you won't regret It'll it. Be really, no, you won't. It's <laughs> really, really good. Uh
0: so speaking of deep dives, this was one of our deep dive episodes. We are asking for our listeners to give us suggestions for deep dive topics. What do you want to hear about? Is there an application you really want to get down into? Is there a concept in the amateur radio open source world you really want us to talk about? Is there someone you want us to interview? Is there somebody who's like really interesting that we don't know about maybe? Uh, that you'd like to hear from we would like to hear from you on what topics we can present in our deep dive topics episodes that would be of interest to you so if you have a suggestion info at lhspodcast.info is the place to send that you can hit us up in the discord the irc facebook and twitter just let us know what you want to hear about um this is a little bit of trolling for stuff so that we don't have to find all of this information ourselves, but, you know, um, <laughs> we, we do what we can. Really, we do. Uh, but a few suggestions would be a wonderful addition to, um, you know, the topics that we address. So if you can do that, it would be fantastic. Also, if you can support the show, we have uh, Patreon. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash LHS podcast. Um, you can subscribe to us for as little as $2 a month actually technically you could subscribe for $1 a month uh but $2 a month is our like recommended minimum so for 12 bucks a year um sorry that's 24 bucks a year <laughs> yeah math is hard uh for 24 bucks a year um you can help support the show that keeps the lights on here uh helps us upgrade equipment when we need it uh you know supports our web service uh, hosting and all that kind of stuff so if you can help us out for as little as $2 a month, we would really appreciate that. We have a lot of Patreons right now who help us out, and we appreciate them. Uh, but anything we can do to make things better around here, uh, we'll try and do it. And to that end, if you've ever been to the website, LHSpodcast.info, on the right-hand column, there is a sponsored ad uh, skyscraper banner, and that's a link to Google AdSense. So what we'd like to do is encourage people to click on that. It doesn't cost you anything to click on that. All you have to do is click on it and bring up the ad, look at whatever stupid thing it's trying to sell you, and then move on. And the reason we want you to do that is because every time you click on it, we get a little bit of money. I think it's around two cents a click or something. But eventually, those two cents a click add up to real money and Google will send it to us. And I will say that right now, we were about $4 from our next allocation. So we only get disbursements when that allocation gets to $100. So if we can have a bunch of people start clicking on that right-hand column, maybe we'll get some money, you know, for your clicks here before too long, and that will go a long way to helping us get to Hamvention because we'll put that directly into the Hamvention fund. Absolutely. And then finally, we have one more thing. Uh, We addressed this in the last couple of podcasts, I believe, but we also are inviting commentary from you to let us know if you would prefer. That we continue to record on monday nights or if you would prefer that we record on sunday nights um i'm of
2: oh sorry sorry
0: no it's okay (laughs) Uh, I, i was gonna say uh i'm sort of ambivalent about it i don't care sunday or monday it works for us cheryl doesn't seem to care sunday or monday uh bill is all for sunday so so if you have like nets or something that you do on Monday night and you'd prefer to have us record on Sunday, we, you know, we're certainly willing to do that. Um, so if you have a preference, we would love to hear your preference. We'll kind of assemble the data as best we can and make a decision about whether to stay with Monday nights or shift over to Sunday nights and whatever, you know, decision that we come to, whatever the consensus is with our listeners, that's what we shall do. And with that, I think we're down to the end of this thing.
1: Whew.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. It's so thanks, damage everybody. on this one. What's that? We did some damage on this I, one. I, yeah, we did.
0: We did. We nailed it, <laughs> or something. <laughs> like that show, right? Nailed it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Ted just put in a vote for Monday. Ted. Uh, oh no! So, so Sunday night is all right. Oh, Sunday
0: net is not net. Um, yeah but he says he can multitask so that that to me is a vote for monday KBTYSI uh, says he doesn't care so I'll, I'll call that a vote for sunday
2: so so far we're we're even <laughs> sunday or sunday so, <laughs> More Sundays. and really it's only for the people that actually show up in the chat room and for the people that would think they could show up into the chat room well it's important for the because people they who, don't show up monday right it's important for the people
0: who could listen on sunday but can't listen on monday to be heard yeah. here so if if you would like to listen to the podcast live, but you can't do it on Monday, but you could do it on Sunday, now is your chance to let us know. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's uh, quickly run down through the chat room. I saw earlier in the chat, uh, Bill N5VED, which is a new call sign to me, was in there. And I asked him a question. and did not get a response back. So I'm not sure if he's listening or what, but I know he was in the chat earlier. So we'll mention him here for sure. Uh we also have our usual cast of characters, Don KBTYSI, Don KC9ZMY, Ted W A Z R E I R, Daniel KF5 T Q N, and Dan is in here tonight because he says the Nets are the the uh the bands, bands suck. The bands <laughs> suck. So so Dan KB6NU decided to listen to us tonight uh tonight because apparently we're not quite as good as open bands. Yeah. So but we're
2: slightly better than static. oh
0: that has to go on the website that's going to be the new thing at the top of the thing it's (laughs) slightly better than static that's perfect i love it all right so anyway with that we're going to wrap this thing up thanks everybody who uh contributes to the show in one way or another and just is a listener we appreciate all of you we wouldn't be able to do this without you and we certainly wouldn't do it if we didn't have anybody who listened to it because you know we can talk amongst ourselves with a lot less effort. <laughs> so um, but anyway, thanks again. Uh and for the supervisory Cheryl, W five moo i O, I'll say goodbye for episode two hundred and seventy of Linux in the Hamshack. This is Russ, K5 T U X. And
2: I'm Bill, NE4RD seventy three. Thank you for listening to this
1: episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreoncom Podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at LHSpodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.